welcome to the First World Philippines podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the First World Philippines podcast. Today, I am interviewing one of my favorite expat leaders in the Philippines, a man by the name of Barry Saif. Now, Barry's been here for some time, and he is an entrepreneur, but an entrepreneur with a big vision, not an ordinary entrepreneur. Um, I am extremely, and I, I'm not saying this because Barry's my friend, but I really believe that what the work he, he is doing in Tagatai with his team, it's uh, truly remarkable that he's building a company in the Philippines here based on values, not just based on driving profit, but really a company where people are uh, proud to go to work. And uh, it shows. I have done some work with them over the years, and it is one of my favorite companies here in the Philippines. And the Filipinos that work there, there's something different, something that is not ordinary. So I am grateful that I got to sit down, got a chance to sit down with Barry um, interview him on his uh, management and leadership philosophy, on his take on the Philippines, um, p- pros and cons. There's not all positives, but the pros and cons. A very honest conversation, and I think there's a lot of good advice in here um, for anyone who wants to become an entrepreneur themselves, and anyone, not just uh, advice for want to be entrepreneurs, but also advice for those who want to excel in their career in the corporate world. Barry gives very concrete advice on steps people can take. Um, and I, I really believe this is worth a listen to. So big thanks to Barry Safe from Safe Solutions. You can check out their Facebook page and website to see the work they do to promote the Philippines across the world. And this will be an episode I think you really would not want to miss. Check out this interview with the one and only Barry Safe. Hey guys, I'm here with Barry Safe, the CEO and founder of Safe Solutions Inc. I've been working with this team for the last few weeks here in Tagaytay in the Philippines. And what is, how do I say it, grab my attention is the culture that Barry has established here with his company. And I thought it would be a lot of value to business men and business women in the Philippines, whether you're owner, an entrepreneur, whether you be a young professional, an aspiring entrepreneur, and to listen to this in-depth interview with Barry, where we're going to deep dive on some of the philosophies and practices that has created this culture. So... To tell you well, a tiny bit about Barry's company, they've experienced explosive growth over the last few years. And they are on target by 2025, catch this out, this is a, one of the boldest visions I've seen, heard for a very long time, but to become a billion dollar US dollar company by 2025. His company is on target to achieve that, something truly remarkable and very rare in the Philippines. So I wanted to sit down with Barry, to get some philosophies on how to create a world-class culture here in the Philippines. So Barry, thank you for joining us in this interview. Welcome, I'm glad to be here. I want to hit you straight away with a tough question. What are, co- what are three things a company in the Philippines needs to do differently in order to create this world-class culture that, um, that you have here and safe and that you're looking to create in the future? Well, first of all, I would say you need to be absolute in your commitment 
to treating people fairly, yep. to treating everyone with respect. You need to make sure that your managers treat your employees with respect. You know, we have a set of, uh, of nine corporate values here, and, and one of them is respect, others are integrity and honesty. Um, you can't be globally competitive if the basis of your foundation is greed. Well, you can be. It's actually, what I just said is really not true. You can build a globally competitive company based on greed as your yeah. primary value. Yeah. But that's not a company I'd want to be a part of or do yeah. business with. Yeah. Yeah. So number one is respect. Yes. Respect, yep. treating people with respect, treating people fairly. Yeah. You know, in all the years, I've been living in the Philippines seven years, I was visiting frequently for three years before that, and almost everyone I've met here, I've gotten to know here, has told me horror stories about how they've been treated at work. Mm. You know, the, the, the norm is not to treat people fairly here. Mm. And if you do, if you are 100% committed to treating people fairly, you have a big advantage. Mm. What's a common example of disrespect that you see is the norm in Filipino work culture? So, you know, one thing is companies that pay people late, mm. like a month late, or, 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 you know, and they make people fight for things that they should get as mm. a matter of course. Mm. You know, in six years, uh, we're, we're six years strong, mm. Safe Solutions. In six years, and, and the first three years were extremely difficult. Mm. I, I use a four-letter word to describe them. It's called hell. Uh, <laughs> but in all of those six years, we never missed a payroll. We were never yeah. late on a payroll. Yeah. Because that's who I am, is that we're never late on payroll. Mm. I think that people do work, they, they do their work, they deserve to get paid. Yeah. Right? I can't always guarantee them a job in the future, but I will be damn sure they're going to get paid for the work they did. Yeah. Because they don't, that's on me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing, is integrity, respect, yeah. fairness. The second thing is you need to empower and support your people to be globally competitive professionals. Now what does that mean? Well, some of that means that the, I, I'm going to talk about some of the cultural barriers to that. Now, it's important to understand every culture has strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And Filipino culture is no, no different. I mean, the Filipino family is very strong compared to other cultures. But I'm going to talk for a minute about some of the weaknesses yeah. or some of the aspects of Filipino culture that in the global workplace show up as weaknesses, such as the unwillingness to ask questions. Yeah. You know, Filipinos are taught from a young age, don't talk back to your parents. Don't talk back to the teacher. Mm. This is not a good environment for developing critical thinking skills. Mm. And, and I tell my people, you know, that, that the deference to authority, the, the unwillingness to ask questions, the fear of confrontation and conflict, yeah. the, un, the, the fear of disagreeing, those behaviors can destroy this company. Mm. And so what we talk about, one of the things we talk about in Safe Solutions is that we want and demand more than a superficial level of respect. Mm. What I mean by superficial level of respect is, let's say that a manager is giving instructions to a group of people, mm. and you're one of those people, and you don't fully understand all the instructions or you don't agree with them, and of course then the manager at the end asks, is everyone, is everyone on board with this? Does everyone understand? And you, and you nod your head and you say yes. Yeah. Now, based on your training all your life, it may seem to you that your behavior in that moment was respectful. In fact, 
to me that was deeply disrespectful and dishonest. Mm -hmm. You said you understood and you didn't, and that's going to cause problems later. So that's a superficial level of respect. Now, what would be a deeper level of respect? The deeper level of respect would be to have the courage and the boldness to say, wait a minute, Barry or manager, I I don't quite get that. Could we go over that again? Or I I don't think that's right. Right? So that would be respectful. Barry, this is brilliant. I think every business in the Philippines can relate to what Barry is saying. Because you have achieved success in your company with changing that culture, what have you seen work in, um, in exactly what you say, getting people to speak up? people to ask questions when they don't understand? Have you seen a particular practice, maybe a management practice, that has worked in getting people to open up more and to challenge the status quo? Sure, well the first thing is, um, and this is kind of a theme in my management philosophy, is you need to examine your own behavior. So what I discovered uh, with the help of of one of my staff who who has a real deep understanding of Filipinos and, and had observed me a lot, and he pointed out to me, he said, you know, sometimes people ask a question and you act annoyed, right? So if someone asked a question no. that I thought I had just answered five seconds before yeah. or that was a stupid question to me, it, it would show yeah. in how I answered, right? Yeah. Or, how I, or maybe I dismissed the question, right? Mm. And so with Filipinos, that has a tremendous impact, not just on the person who asked, but on all the others. Right, you might dramatically reduce the questions you're going that people are going to ask yeah. for years based on that kind of behavior. So I have to change. Okay. So we have a, a motto here: all questions are welcome. And I've talked to the staff about this. I invited this to give me feedback to tell me when I'm mm. being dismissive, and, and not they haven't done that that much, but I think I've improved. Yeah. So that's made a huge difference. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing about encouraging, you know, creating the kind of culture you want, creating a culture where people ask questions and learn and disagree. Mm. We, we work very hard to build a learning culture, mm. right? So we, you know, our people are motivated by learning, mm. right? And we hire for that. We look for people who want to learn, who have the willingness and ability to learn. Mm. If your people are not motivated by learning, you might have the wrong people, mm. right? So learning is very important, but also the values are very important. And I've evolved in how we do this. And, and one of the things we've done recently that really seems to work well is I wrote an essay about each of our values. And then uh, we've had these reorientation meetings with groups of staff. And to prepare for the meeting, each staff member prepares a one to two minute talk about one of the values of their choice mm. and what it's meant in their life and why it's important to them. Mm. Right, so I share what it, my essay about what it means to me and the company, why it's important, yep. and then several people share about that value and what it means to them, mm. and it really enables them to connect. So you have to give you have to give voice to people, mm. give people an opportunity to express themselves, to be a part of the vision, to it to in, imbibe them, to you know, and to and a part of the of the values, mm. um, and and the learning. Um, you know, they need to have a reason to ask questions. Yeah. And, and they need to have, um, see, I think what we've done is we, we've created a space of communication where I can have meaningful conversations with the staff or groups of staff or individuals. And I remember this one conversation I took 
the graphics team out to lunch. Mm. And I told them that story about, you know, the example about the manager and his staff and yeah. how the, their behavior was, and, and like all their mouths were hanging open. Yeah. It really hit them that, wow, all, how I've behaved all my life is, is not going to work here. Right? And so you have to get through the, them on that, right? Mm. And, and you can't just ask people or tell people to change lifelong habits. Yeah. You need to provide what I call transformational education mm. that empowers people with new skills, yeah. enables them to change their habits and create new habits. Mm. And that's why I'm, I'm so happy to work with you, Mike. Cool. And you and, and there's others who, who are effective in transformational education. Mm. Um, and I think I've been involved in that kind of education for over 30 years, and yeah. so I'm able to do some of that myself with the mm -hmm. staff. But you really need to work with people who have some skill at that. Yeah. It, it may not be a skill that you have to mm -hmm. enable and empower people to change their lifelong habits. Mm -hmm. People need the right kind of support to do that. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to the, I think I've got two from you. Yeah. So the question was, what are the three things to do differently to create a world-class culture work culture here in the Philippines. So number one was respect, integrity, and fairness. So the, the yeah. alignment with what, with what you say. Number two is empower globally competitive professionals. Mm -hmm. And number three. Number three. Yes, so number three. Now, I can express number three in one word, but I'll need to explain it. The word is responsibility. Okay. Now, the way I define responsibility is responsibility is the willingness to see yourself as cause, mm. as, as, as a cause of everything. Okay. Actually everything. So the idea of that is, you know, no one can make you responsible. Responsibility is a choice, mm -hmm. but it's an empowering choice. And so when you face a situation in your workplace if you start by thinking, you know, how might I be the cause of this, mm. right? So I, I tell this story to, it's a fictional hypothetical story I tell the staff. Let's, let's imagine that you have a brother, not a current brother that you actually have, but another brother, okay? Mm. So we're not talking about any of your actual siblings. Let's say you had another brother. This brother, despite all of your, you know, attempts to give him good advice, uh, didn't listen and ended up in jail, right? Now, you can't change your brother. You can't change another person. Mm. Uh, and and your, you, your brother, like everyone, is responsible for what happens in his life, mm. right? But you can take your, you can see yourself as cause. You can take responsibility for your brother's life. You, you, you can see yourself as cause in what happened to your brother and what happens in his life. Mm. Now, now, what would that look like? So maybe instead of judging your brother, mm. you could listen to him in a way you never have before mm. and see what opens up from that, yep. right? You could be open to the role that you may have played in what happened to your brother, mm. right? Now, there's no guarantee you'll be successful, but the point is by taking responsibility, by, by being willing to see yourself as cause you create the possibility of making a difference, of having an impact. Yeah. You put yourself in the game mm. instead of just being an observer and saying, oh, it's someone else's issue, I can't fix it. Mm. Well, your business is your issue, mm. right? 
whatever's happening in your business was ever happening with the people there. So I have another way of expressing this. One of my, I like to create acronyms. So I have an acronym called CHARM. Yes. And CHARM is, provides you guidance on how to approach any personnel issue in the workplace. You begin with curiosity yeah. and humility, right? So that's what I was just talking about. Yeah. So you have humility, like, is, might I have caused this? You're curious, you wanna learn. You realize you don't know everything about the situation. Yeah. Curiosity, you begin with curiosity and humility, you proceed with awareness, uh, respect, and mastery. So awareness is like, you know, you wanna be aware of the context and the situation. Um, you wanna, if someone, you know, when I was in my early years as a manager, what would happen is I talked to one person and I think that, oh, this is how the situation is. Then I talk to another, realize, oh, it's like this. Then I act based on the last person I talked to. Mm. So that's why awareness is important. Mm. Now, respect, of course, is important in everything in management. Mm. Mastery is important because if you go into a management situation from the perspective of, I'm inexperienced, I don't know how to handle this, you're likely to fall flat on your face. Mm. The truth is, you've been on this planet for at least a couple decades. Mm. You've handled a wide variety of situations. Go in with the confidence that you can find a way to make this work. Mm. So charm, curiosity, humility, awareness, respect, and mastery. mastery. I like it. Yeah. Barry, can you tell us, I want you to tell us two different stories here. One story of uh, a Filipino professional that excelled in your mm. culture, and one story, you don't have to give the names. Right, right, okay. <laughs> uh, one story of someone that you, who did not excel in that culture that you were creating, and yeah. the difference between the two. Okay, good. Let's see. Um, so, one person uh, who excelled, uh, I won't give the name, but it'll be obvious to anyone who knows the company well, yeah. uh, was, was the first graphic designer that we hired. We, okay. we had a particular project uh, two or three years ago that required a graphic designer. Uh, and let's see, what happened was... I mean, he, he did very good work. He's, he's a, a very smart guy, uh, very good at design, uh, fairly good at English. Of course, our graphic designers are often not as good at English as mm. the writers, uh, but very smart guy and uh, did a great job. And then we, uh, just this year, had a, uh, we requested to do a pilot for mm. a company and the pilot required both text and graphics work. And we still had just the one graphic designer. Uh, and we were competing against a number of other companies in the pilot. Mm. And we were chosen. Uh, and in the review of our work, the conference call we did with the client, they couldn't stop talking about the graphics. They said our graphics was better than all the other vendors. Mm. And then I asked them about the text. They'd only positive things to say about our text. But it was the graphics that they were really mm. excited about. Uh, and so we first got the graphics part of that project and that enabled us to expand the graphics team to eight people. We now have, I think, 10 on the graphics team. And that person, the first person we hired, who it was his first job out of school two or three years ago, he's now a manager. He's our graphics manager. Wow. And he's doing an awesome job. Hmm. Yeah. So now you want some uh, someone that didn't take to our culture. Let's see, it's difficult. You know, in six years, we've had only three resignations. Mm. We have we have not had a layoff since September 2014. Mm. I'm very proud of that. Uh, 
and we have had to let some people go. So let me think about someone who didn't who didn't. Oh yes, okay, <laughs> I got it. So this person, um, this was several years ago, uh, and this person, I, I think that. It, it really it was it was either a combination of an attitude problem and an intellect problem or just not a good fit uh, you know she she seemed to be more interested in kind of showing off than in learning hmm. which in itself wouldn't have been a problem but she just didn't take enough care with her content with what she was writing hmm. and so there, we, we found things in her content that you know, there was a, a comment uh, about this text should appear on the screen, something like that, and that ended up in her content that you know should not. It was just text that should never be there, and and then we found other. I mean, it's fine. People make mistakes, and we understand that, and we have a system that allows for that, and mm. they can get reviewed. But but the kind of mistakes and and the ways that she, I, I it's hard to remember the details. It, it just. She, she caused problems for the customer, hmm. right? Um, and she just wasn't careful enough. Uh, and she also uh, was like doing personal work uh, in the office hmm. and she was, you know, told not to do that and then she repeatedly did it. Hmm. So there was just a lot that didn't mesh with this person and and, and it just wasn't a risk we could continue to take, right? Mm. Um, I, I mean, and I want to emphasize, it, it's not that we fired anyone who makes a mistake. It, it just had to do with the nature of the situation and the impact on the customer and her lack of care mm. about her work. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think too many people make the stake in the Philippines of holding on to the wrong people? Yes. Well, I, this is something I've seen in the U.S. and the Philippines wherever I've worked, if an organization does not have the ability to fire people, mm. the organization dies. Yeah. You have to have that ability. Yeah. And, you, and you have to be fair, you have to follow due process, but sometimes you have to let people go. Mm. Right, switching yeah. gears. Sure. If you could have a message that could be put on any billboard, well, every billboard in the Philippines, so this is a message to the Filipino people or people doing business in the Philippines and you had the power to write that billboard, what message would you write on that billboard? I would put two questions mm. only. The first question is, are you corrupt? The second question is, are you honest? Mm. Right? I think that there's, that to me, there's something amiss in this culture in that people don't seem to value personal honesty. Mm. And, and they have this expectation that somehow the government is going to stop being corrupt when, when the people are corrupt. And, and, and some, I'll give you some examples of what I'm talking about. Like, okay, you have a, a cousin that works at LTO, mm. so you don't have to wait in line to, mm. to, get, to get your driver's license. Mm. That's corruption. Yeah. That's an unfair advantage that you're taking because of a family relationship. Yeah. And, and taxes, you know, when I first, every year we have to go to Tagaytay City Hall to pay our city taxes as a business, register in Tagaytay, and, and initially I, I didn't understand what was going on, and, and our first few years we had very little revenue, we had big losses, 
So I reported like maybe our revenue was 50,000 and they said, oh, your tax is 30,000. And it's supposed to be like 3%, you know, for the city. And, and I, I just couldn't get it. But what was going on is they knew, they expected that everybody was lying. That 99% of the businesses keep two sets of books. Hmm. One is a lie for the tax authorities and one is the truth. We've never done that. We, we're run based on honesty. Yeah. So I finally developed a relationship with the city administrator so he knows that we tell the truth. Hmm. So now they actually charge us what they should. Hmm. Right? So, but how is that? Hmm. That there, there's all these Filipinos have no concern for acting honestly and they'll make excuses about why the government's corrupt or other people's honest, so it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. Everything you do every day of your life matters. Mm. I, I don't need to yell at you, sorry. No, no, I like that. I like the passion. <laughs> what, have you seen examples of um, Filipinos that are standing up to this, that inspire you? Uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah. Um, well, Let's see, I, I, I'm gonna to try to stick to examples where I have evidence of what they've done as opposed to yeah. the people that I know well that you might not believe are honest. I mean, I know a couple of famous people well, and I know they're honest because I know them, but I don't know, I can't give you evidence, so yeah. let's not get into that, right? No, we don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but let me think. Um, I mean, I, it, it, many people on our staff, I mean, I, I'm really inspired by the staff, by many of them who, who have, Develop the courage and boldness mm. to speak out, um, and and you know a part of honesty and respect is being honest and respectful with yourself. And so, yeah. th there's one of our our staff members who uh, is a single mother, and years ago had to go you know worked abroad to support mm. her kids, and and a few years ago she met with me and she said this thing that she said I'm not really a mother. Right. She had a whole story about why she didn't qualify to be called the mother because she hadn't done this mm. and she wasn't there for these key developmental moments in her child's life, her children's life. And, and I just didn't buy it. I said, no, don't say that. I mean, there's no pat test you have to pass to be a mother. If you give birth to children or you raise children, you are a mother. Yeah. Right? And, and look at what you went through for your children mm. and look at how they've turned out. That's your achievement. Mm. You know, so it, a, a year later, I met with her again, and and she was crying, and she told me about the impact that conversation had on her life. Wow! Yeah, she had such a low opinion of herself. Right. She didn't even. And 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 I was able to help her, you know, improve that. I mean, and and to me, that's about honesty. You know, I think that that many Filipinos have this arrogance about their own self-esteem. I mean, I know it's one thing to have low self-esteem and to lack confidence in yourself, but when you say, I can't do this, I'm not good at that. Yeah, let's talk about this. I, l I love your philosophy yeah. on this. So for example, you know, when we hire people as technical writers, we put them through a battery of six tests. Hmm. And we've seen dozens and dozens of people go through this interviewing and testing process. Yeah. So I have a pretty good idea of you know, if someone scores this way and interviews this way, whether or not they can succeed. Mm. But sometimes I have to convince them, mm. right? Because they don't, they think they're going to fail. They don't think they can do this. And what I have to explain to them is, look, I am actually more qualified to judge mm. 
whether you can do this than you are. Mm. And it's fine to lack confidence, but don't be arrogant about it, right? Don't say in the, in the face of evidence that contradicts you, I can't, right? Yeah. I, I can't is the most damaging thing people say yeah. or, or think, yeah, yeah. right? So you, do you see that as the number one barrier holding back a Filipino from excelling in their career? Yeah, I, well, I, I, would, I, I can give you, I think, three maybe. So that's one. I yeah. can't. I can't, yeah. Number two is English. <laughs> okay. Now, now let's talk about that. You know, to be a globally competitive professional, you need to be good in English, mm. both written and spoken. Yeah. And think about, I, what I suggest is think about what percent of your day is in English and think about five activities, mm. thinking, speaking, listening, writing, and reading. So for each of those five activities, what percent of your day is in English? And if you want to rapidly improve your English skills, get each of those percentages above 50. Okay. That's right? very practical advice. Like and, and another thing I tell people is if, if you want to get good in English, read, read English, read good English, two hours a day for 10 years. Every single day. Yeah. Now, 10 years may seem like a long time, but get started today. Yeah. <laughs> like now that. there's there's this there's a bonus one in addition to those five there's a bonus sixth one which is teaching so find someone in your life mm. who wants to improve their english skills and help them mm. because you will learn more from teaching than from anything else yeah. but you also want to be responsible for not teaching them bad english yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which happens a lot in this country yeah. the other thing is um <clears throat> many I, what i've discovered is many of the schools both at all levels, <coughs> excuse me, teach people to write long sentences in English. Mm. This is horrible. Mm. This is exactly the wrong thing to do. Mm. Nobody wants to read your long sentences. Mm. You know, nobody can figure it out. <coughs> True. The maximum should be 20 words in a sentence under any circumstances. Most of your sentences should be much shorter than that. Yeah. If a teacher wants you to write long sentences, don't. Mm. Explain to them. This, this is being disrespectful and inconsiderate of the audience. Yeah. You're not writing to impress someone. You're writing to communicate. Yeah. <laughs> Give me number three. So number oh. one is the false belief that they can't. Right. Number two, um, proficiency in English. Number three, in terms of holding back from excelling in their career. Right. Number three is being attached to your culture and the way that you've always done things in your life and the way your family's always done things, right? Okay. So because as we explained previously, to be a globally competitive professional, sometimes you have to change those habits. So if you're attached to not asking questions of an authority figure or of a white person, mm. because that's just the way it's done in this country, mm. that's gonna hold you back, yeah. you know? And, and for example, um, how to be respectful of people changes with their culture. So you've learned all your life that it's respectful to say po. Mm. Well, that's true if you're interacting with a Filipino, mm. but if you're interacting with a client overseas, it's disrespectful to say po, because they don't know what you're talking about, mm. right? What about sir? We, we train our people to stop the surring, <laughs> right? They stop call the me sir, yeah, because <laughs> 
in some cultures it's fine, like in Jap with Japanese, although there it's san instead of sir. Yeah. But with Americans, you know, one of the most important values in American culture is equality, mm. right? And in that, it's very different than here. They don't have this this outsized deference for authority. I mean, people in America will curse at their managers and nothing happens, right? Mm. I mean, sometimes it might if they do it every day, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, so, so if you are suring an American, they're going to think... They're, they're going to think that you're not a professional. You're not an equal. Mm. They want to deal with equal professionals, right? Yeah, yeah. They want to see you as equal. They're going to think you're making yourself subservient, and they're going to lack confidence in you. Mm. And they may lose respect in you. Yeah. Barry, your favorite mistake in the Philippines <laughs> with respect to business. Oh. So you've been here for a long time. Yeah. You've seen people come and go. Um, for you, what is the mistake that you have learned the most from? and something that you advise people when you're mentoring people here? I see. The favorite mistake that I've made that I've learned from. Mm. Um, I, I would say it's not getting to know people well. Okay. You know, particularly in the past, years ago, <clears throat> I hired managers or, <clears throat> or leaders in my company and I was all excited about their positive qualities, but I didn't take the time to get to know them, to challenge them. Um, and particularly like with my management philosophy, you know, I've, uh, years ago I, I, I had managers who told me they believed in my philosophy, but then it turned out, no, they were into exploiting and abusing the staff, hmm. which is something I won't tolerate. Hmm. But there's, there's a, you know, the, the general view of management in this country seems to be as supervision, as command and control. Mm. The workers are there to serve the manager, mm. you know. Um, and that's the opposite of our view here. The manager mm. is here to support the workers, yeah. to empower them. So so I would say that the key mistake that I, I made, um, that I learned to stop making, is, is to trust people too quickly and to not take the time to really get to know people. Mm. Because, you know, the Philippine, Filipino culture is a culture in which people are very reluctant to say no, to use the word no. Yeah, yeah. And in any situation people don't want to say no, the word yes has multiple meanings. Yeah. Right? So yes might mean, yes, I respect you and I'm listening to what you say, but I didn't understand a word of it. Right? Yeah. I mean, who knows what yes means? So that's one reason why you really have to get to know people. You have to understand how each person communicates, what motivates them. And, and you know, something very important about working with different cultures is, is to always keep in mind that in every culture, people are extremely different from each other. Mm. Not all Filipinos are the same. Yeah. And you can't work with them all the same way. Mm. You know, one of the things I, I really learned from Barry is the, one of the measures of success of a manager on a daily basis is the number of difficult conversations mm. that manager has on a particular day. Let's deep dive on this. What do you mean by difficult conversations? So, as a manager, um, what difficult conversations are you avoiding? Mm. That's, a, that's a good question for a manager to ask themselves every day. What difficult conversations am I avoiding? So, a manager needs to be on top of things and looking out looking past the present to the future, mm. right? What, what, what problems do I see developing that might cause a big problem? 
You know, what is it I'm avoiding? What person seems to not understand what they need to understand, hmm. right? And and you can't just let these things fester. Hmm. Now, I, I'm not saying you go in six guns and you accuse people, right? Hmm. That That's a big problem, and particularly in Filipino culture, you go in with charm, yeah. right? With curiosity and humility. Yeah. But you can't ignore issues as a manager. Yeah. Can you give a concrete example of where you've seen avoidance of an issue for such a long time until someone actually decided to have that difficult conversation? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done that quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been guilty of that where I just didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, I had a... Uh, well, years ago, I, I worked at a different company and I had a, someone working for me who... Um, she was a web developer and, and it wasn't my skill set at that time I yep. didn't but I was managing her and and I remember on her birthday she gave me this card saying I was the best manager of her life right wow. and it was like a month later that I finally fired her which I'd been <laughs> working on and trying to get you know together yeah. get myself together to do because I mean, I, I was cons I, I was hearing complaints about her, yeah. and then I consulted with the people whose expertise I trusted in the organization, and they explained to me that you know what was wrong and what what she was doing, what she was capable of, and what she wasn't, and 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 I think part of why I delayed acting so long uh, was because I didn't feel I had certainty. I mean, I didn't know enough. Yeah. But as a manager, you're always operating based on uncertainty. Yeah. And, and that's something you have to get very good at managing. Mm. So the courage to take on the difficult conversation, even yeah. with, lack, with that lack of clarity. Right. So it's... Right. Because, you know, if you confront it head on, you're going to learn something as well. Um, mm. And, I mean, you, you want to, as much as possible, proceed based on evidence and specifics. Yeah, yeah. You want to give people very specific feedback. Mm. You know, and give them a chance to improve. But mm. uh, it, it's difficult when you know, like in that situation, when as a manager, I, I didn't really have the skill set mm. to understand her work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've got an interesting question, and this is kind of directing potentially a foreigner or maybe a, a Filipino living abroad who is looking to come back to the Philippines and set up a business, or a foreign investor who wants to come here and set mm. up a business. Could you give not conflict in advice, but the reasons to come to the Philippines to do business and the reasons uh, you shouldn't. Okay. So, well, I'll, I'll tackle the reasons you shouldn't first. Yeah. So one thing is, if, like me, you lived in one country for 50 years mm. and then what you want to do is move to another country with a different culture and start a business, mm. I used to say I have one word for you and that word is don't. But I can no longer say that because... You did. I, I, I did, and now it's I'm quite successful at it. So, yeah. so it's just don't underestimate the power of culture shock. Hmm. I mean, what is culture shock? Culture shock is that you're in a new environment, and all of a sudden, the things that you took for granted every day in your life and didn't think about don't work anymore the way they worked for you. Hmm. It's extremely unsettling. And, you know, the first two years that I lived here, I was a victim of crime and corruption multiple times. Mm. Uh, and it was really difficult. And there were times I seriously thought about moving back. Uh, mm. 
But on the other hand, I, I, I made really good friends here and I found mm. wonderful people and, and that is why I stayed. Mm. You know, one of my mentors told me just to, mm. um, that if you come to the Philippines or another culture, the first year, do not set up a business. Uh, my mentor told me the first year, just observe, observe, observe. Well, that's, you know, I did that. Yeah. Uh, nobody told me to, but <laughs> <laughs> the first year I basically had a, a, a one-year vacation and okay. I was able to uh, to do that and, and I'm, I'm grateful for that time, yeah. Did that, get, did that give you an advantage to, in terms I think of so. when you set up? Well, yes, I, I absolutely think so, yeah. Mm. I, I think it did. Uh, it didn't prevent me from making huge mistakes uh, <laughs> in the first few years of the business. Uh, so, so you asked for the reasons not to, so then I, so the reasons to come to the Philippines yes. as a business. Well, first of all, um, this is a dynamic growing economy. Mm. You know, the Philippines uh, for the last about 12 years has had amazing growth. Even during the global economic crisis, there was one year that there was 1% growth mm. and then it bounced back and it, it's been like six for the last years. It's one of the fastest growing economies in Asia. Mm. Um, and so there's, you know, there's stuff happening. There's businesses being built and succeeding and yeah. all, all around you. And, and it's very different in that sense than being in the United States where, you know, maybe in a good year you get two and a half percent growth, yeah. you know. Um, now, it, you know, and there are challenges, you know, that you don't have the infrastructure that you have in the United States. You don't have a lot of the support systems, but there's also a lot of people here who are committed to building a better country, a better Philippines. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Filipinos, particularly if you're not in Manila or Cebu, the two largest cities where most of the jobs are, you know, there's good colleges and universities in all 81 provinces. And so, you know, we're in a province, we're in Tagaytay City, 60 kilometers south of Manila, and the people here are thrilled to find a good job that they don't have to move to Manila for. So... I would say a reason to come to the Philippines is is the workforce, is the talent. Mm -hmm. You know, there's people with good English skills here. English is one of the two official languages yeah. in the country. Uh, and there's people with all kinds of degrees and training uh, mm -hmm. and, and talent. And, if, and the other thing is, as I mentioned before, there's so much bad management here and mistreatment of workers that if you just treat people fairly, they will be extremely loyal and they'll mm. work very hard for you because mm. it's hard to find that here yeah. yeah so barry we're almost at the end of this interview i really want to thank you for taking the time in the comment section and in the description of this video you'll see the links to getting if you want to directly contact barry or maybe even apply for a job at safe solutions we're going to put all the links both facebook website so you can find out more not just about um the work you guys do here but also on those managements um, and leadership philosophies that are very rare. I have to say that very mm. rare from my own observations in the Philippines. But yeah, from my direct observations, it works. There's something special in this culture. So I really appreciate Barry for for allowing me to learn from his staff and the, from his philosophy. Barry, final question. Yes. You've uh, met this country your home. Um, mm -hmm. You have a special relationships in this country. You have seen tremendous growth in this country. What is your vision for the Filipino people and for your vision for what this country can become? Well, first of all, in 2011, the Philippines overtook India as the leader in voice services. And since then, the Philippines has led the world in, in call centers, right? Yeah. 
which is, I think, a dying industry. Yeah. Maybe not quickly dying, maybe slowly, but yeah. whatever. Uh, so my vision is that the Philippines can lead the world in written content, in in technical documentation, in user documentation, in marketing yeah. documentation, in all kinds of content. The Philippines can lead the world in written and graphical content development in mm. English. Uh, and, and I think that, and, and in general, that the KPO industry, knowledge process outsourcing, yeah. which, you know, we're a part of that, it involves higher paying jobs, yeah. higher value services, more often day, day shifts, mm. right? That the Philippines can lead the world in that, and millions of Filipinos can find rewarding jobs and rewarding careers. Mm. Supporting, you know, there's a basic problem in the world, which is that customer service doesn't work. Mm. People are, very, are not happy when they call a call center. They'd rather find the information on their own. Mm. They'd rather go on Google and find it. So some companies are starting to realize if they invest in their content, they make it more, more complete, more findable, they can reduce the support costs and increase customer satisfaction. The Philippines can be a huge part of that story. Mm. We, can, we can transform customer service for mm. everyone on earth. And what do you think by becoming the number one in the world in technical content, yes. what is that going to do for the economy and the injustices that we see uh, in society here? Well, you know, if you look at our vision page, we have actually five elements. The, the yeah. billion dollars is one of them. Yeah. Uh, and one of them is about the, the Philippine economic environment and Philippine, yeah. and Philippine business environment. Um, you know, I, I, we, we will end poverty in the Philippines and we will end extreme poverty around the world. Mm. And our vision is a Philippine economy where employers, both Filipino and foreign, follow both the letter and the spirit of the law. They do not discriminate in mm -hmm. employment or hiring, and they value all their employees, they treat them fairly, and they invest in them heavily. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the future I see, a future where the formal economy of regular jobs that pay regular wages, that have benefits, that have retirement plans, mm -hmm. that have health insurance, you know, that people can make careers out of mm. is the norm, mm. is what the majority of Filipinos are mm. doing in their work lives. Mm. And that's not the case today. It's mostly informal and sporadic and, yeah. and, and difficult to find jobs. And the other thing is that this is throughout the country in all the provinces, not just in the big cities. Yeah, yeah. So I'm inspired because, uh, can I ask a couple of bonus questions? Sure. Not yeah. scriptus, yeah. but these can't, uh, yeah. what I always, I have a belief that foreigners, I like, I'm Irish, he's American, yeah. yes. we can learn so much from the Filipino culture. Things that make us smile about this culture that we wish, you know, I wish we had more of that in our home countries. Since your journey began here, what elements of Filipino culture are things that made you smile? Mm -hmm. That you like, you know what, I wish we had more of that in other countries. Yes, I can point to a couple. So one is religion. Now, yeah. and not just religion, but I've met many people here who are very religious, mm. and what's important to them about their religion is it's something that they use to help others and to mm. improve themselves. Yeah. And that, and I respect that. Mm. And I wish we had more of that in my country, in the United States. Mm. I mean, there are people like that in the United States, but it seems like the loudest religious people are those using religion to exclude and to yeah, yeah. and to harm others. Yeah. Right. So that's one thing. Um, 
and then family, mm. right? So, I mean, Filipinos don't abandon their elders. Mm. You don't see a lot of nursing homes here. Mm. I mean, Filipinos will, will, I mean, even if the older person is completely crazy and mm. impossible to get along with, they will live with the person, they will defer to them, they will respect them, they will do what they say, no matter how crazy it is, mm. right? Mm. You know, that, that's just completely missing in my country. <laughs> you know? but, but, but more about family. Um, people, you know, families pull together and, and support each other in, in ways that are not common in, in my country. Mm. Yeah. So there's lots of things, this, uh, visitors can learn from this culture. Yeah, absolutely. And one last bonus question. Since you've come, maybe it's... I know the direct translation in Filipino may get lost, but crazy things about this culture that you still shake your head and go, how does this happen? Well, yeah. Um, the, the whole thing about roads and traffic, well, well, <laughs> let, let's talk particularly about traffic and holidays. Yeah. So there are two holidays that seem designed to cause nationwide traffic gridlock, mm. right? So Maundy Thursday, Everyone's supposed to visit either seven or 14 churches. Mm. Oh my God. You know, I mean, maybe in the days before cars and people were, were walking or riding horses that work, but it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Change it. Yeah. And then the other thing is uh, All Souls Day, I think it's called, it, okay. November 1 or 2, where yeah. everyone goes to the cemeteries on the same day. <laughs> Why don't you go on the anniversary of the death, or anniversary of the birth, right? So it's different, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only in the Philippines. Right. Yeah. Well, and something else, something positive in the Philippines. I don't know if you can get this, the back of our, this is one of our mottos. So technical writing is more fun in the Philippines. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. Thank you, Barry. I really, really, really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with our viewers. Uh, this full interview will be on YouTube and highlights will be on our Facebook page. And of course, to get in contact with Barry, just go to the description to see the links. And yes, once again, thank you not only what you're, for making time for us, but what you're doing in the Philippines, proving, proving that you can create a world-class company culture in the Philippines and that the Filipino people are the best people to do it with. So, Mabuang Pilipinas, thank you, Barry, and I look forward to our next interview, guys. Hey, this is Mike again. Thank you so much for listening to the First World Philippines podcast. It would mean so much to me if you left a review, if you share this podcast, somehow help us spread the word. We do this for free. All we ask in return, please consider sharing this with your friends, people who love the Philippines and people who want to become successful in this country. This is their podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode.